tax tax, which is always exciting. GST reform. That's a great idea. Um, more efficient tax. Due diligence now. Hello, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Tax Wrap, episode 35 this week. Uh, and today, well, we've got a lot to get through. Uh, you might remember from yesterday, uh, the Treasurer, Joe Hockey, gave a speech in relation to the tax white paper. Uh, it was quite a lengthy speech. He went over quite a few things. Uh, a lot of them have a lot of importance for tax professionals and everyday taxpayers. So we're, gonna, we're going to go through that. Um, and he, he's pointed out uh, his vision for change in about six principles, he's called them six principles. So we'll go into those in more detail. But just before we begin, uh, I've spent a, a little bit of time over the last couple of weeks uh, calling up and speaking to our new members. And uh, a lot have told us that they're really happy with the Tax Wrap podcast. So it's great that, uh, that you all are listening and that you're enjoying it. And it was a really valuable experience to hear that. So we're doing this for you and it's been, it's been great so far. So we're looking to, to improve from here. Now, Andy, the six principles. Let's get into that. Uh, that that's right, Nathan. The, yesterday, the uh, Treasurer uh, prepared a speech uh, at a PwC tax forum, and he outlined six principles he believes uh, will uh, help shape the uh, reform of the tax system. So I'll just quickly go through this, and then we're going to play a little bit of a game later. But uh, in terms of what we're going to look at, the the Treasurer's outlined mainly six things. So firstly, he says that tax reform must promote a stronger economy, building jobs, growth and opportunity. He says, so So what, what he's looking there is that he, he's to some extent looked at, uh, you know, the ability for, for individuals to, to work hard and to be, uh, to, to be rewarded for that and also that you should be rewarded for, your, uh, for you taking risks, particularly when you make investments. So that was the first thing he touched on. The second thing he touched on was any reform must be fit for purpose in the modern economy. And we talked a little bit about this with those disruptive technologies uh, a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, actually, in terms of, you know, the Airbnbs and uh, the, the Ubers of this world. So he's saying, well, the tax uh, reform must cater for these uh, emerging types of uh, businesses and the structure should be right to, to uh, cater for that. Uh, so, so that's one aspect that the Treasurer mentioned. The other thing he also talked about was that tax change must encourage workforce participation and ensure families control their own money. So, and in, in particular he did talk about the need to address bracket creep. Now the fifth item on uh, Mr Hockey's list was that tax reform must encourage innovation and opportunity and reward for effort. So uh, in that regard, he's talking about you know some of the ways that, um, some of the things that the government's looking at. Um, so one of those initiatives um, was um, the actual uh, the actual introduction of ways that small business can write off their uh, you know initial setup costs. Mm -hmm. The other thing as well that the treasurer's made is that, uh, spoken about, is that you should not be taxed until you have earned that income. Mm. So, he, so he was talking about that in the context of employee share schemes yes, and the okay. fact that you know you don't want to you know completely uh, defer that. Uh, do you want, you want to be taxed on that when it's uh, been derived or when it's come home to you? And there's some precedents already in the tax law about that, like people leaving Australia and things like yep, that. So okay. basically, if you haven't got the money to pay the tax, you shouldn't be taxed on it at that point. And that also covers things like if you've been given options, if you work for a company, you've been given options that Correct. they might last for a decade, um, depending on where you go when you exercise those options. You're not being taxed until you do exercise those options. That's so, correct, yeah. Okay. That's correct. And last but not least, the, the Treasurer noted that as best as possible, the revenue raising capacity of each tier of government should be aligned 
two responsibilities of fund and service delivery. So this is looking at a much bigger picture. We were talking offline, Lisa, about mm -hmm. this, and you know, it's it's all part of sort of sort of what the government is doing in terms of a federation white paper as well, in terms of how the states should be governed. And tax, is, of course, as always, is always a, a critical part of that. Absolutely. Okay, so as Andy said earlier, we we thought we might change it up this week and do a little bit of a game. Um, we've got Joe Hockey's speech laid out in front of us um, and we've taken to it with a fine tooth comb and we've pointed out some of the things that he said and see if we can dissect and, and try and figure out exactly what he is saying because of course when you're dealing with political speeches sometimes um, things get lost in the mix a little bit naturally. Really? <laughs> so I think if we if we sort of take a step back and look at these points individually you might be able to find uh, if there's anything beneficial for, for people to know. Uh, the first one and I quote directly, Australians want a tax system that is simpler, more certain and competitive. They believe any reform must include state taxes, which are some of the most inefficient in the country. Views are mixed when it comes to negative gearing and capital gains tax, but there is strong support for the retention of our system of dividend imputation. So there's a lot going on in that paragraph. Um, it's not as vague as political speeches tend to be, but let's talk a little bit about, about what he's saying there. Oh, that's right, Nate. I mean, one of the things that the Treasurer identified, and we talked about a little bit earlier, was, you know, sort of this Federation white paper and also the fact that, um, you know, they're looking at how taxes should be, uh, ta how taxes should be applied to states. And one of those uh, inefficient taxes, or a number of inefficient ta uh, state taxes, namely stamp duty uh, mm -hmm. being one of them, and some of those other duties. So what the government is looking at is, well, look, they're identified that uh, you know, a lot of GST comes from the actual, uh, goes to the actual states and they're sort of looking at that mix and one of those things is to say, well, look, are your stamp duties efficient? Because stamp duties is driven by, you know, increasing uh, our house prices. So, mm -hmm. so you know, governments or state governments would prefer uh, for housing prices to, to go up so that uh, they can collect additional stamp duties. So, so that's one aspect that uh, the government's looking at. They're saying that that's an inefficient tax. A, a, an efficient tax uh, would be, for example, land tax, where you know that land's not going anywhere. So you know where it is and you can tax it directly. So, yep. so that's one example. So I think sort of the government's had a look at all those uh, submissions, uh, hopefully including House? our submission. Yeah. Our they submission. definitely have. <laughs> I, I know that they have. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, some of those conclusions also with respect to you know dividend imputation there was talk about you know potentially removing that but um, you know the major consensus of that is dividend imputation works effectively um, mm -hmm. it was introduced you know all about a long time ago so that people weren't taxed twice on their dividend income and that looks like it's going to stay negative gearing and capital gain tax is a lot more uh, contentious you know there's a lot of heat out there in the marketplace especially at the moment, at the moment it's yeah. getting a lot of a lot of media attention negative gearing yeah that's right so so I mean obviously the government's uh, main point and I did have a look at uh, mr. hockey of mine also did a Q&A with uh, the participants at that forum and he basically said that you know he his preference is for uh, negative gearing to stay as it currently stands because you know you don't want to um, you don't want to uh, look at various investments and say, okay, negative gearing, not for property, but say, available for shares. So he's trying to uh, look at it from that perspective. 
Mm. It has a big impact on whether the underlying asset's volatile or not, doesn't it, Andy? So, That's I mean, great. negative gearing always gets looked at from a land point of view because our land prices have gone up astronomically. But, you know, you can still do negative gearing for shares. But, of course, shares are very volatile. They can go up or down. I mean, I know my BHP shares personally have, <laughs> have, have gone down to... And I've been holding them forever, so to speak. So they're sort of down where I bought them many moons ago. Anyway, but, yeah, with the inefficient... Um, state taxes and things like that like you said Andy it's very interesting because the GST is sort of collected by the federal government and then divided up to the states and we've heard a lot of the arguments about how WA aren't getting their fair share of the GST coin but then the land taxes which they have got control over or the I should say the stamp duty that they've got control over um, they get the money themselves but it's also depending on how much you turn over those properties yeah. so if you keep turning over those properties fantastic but if people hold properties it's a very sporadic income mm. stream so GST makes a lot more sense in terms of like a permanent revenue stream so that's sort of like revenue as opposed to stamp duty, which is more of a capital nature, if I can call it that. Now, thirdly, Joe Hockey spoke about, or secondly, sorry, Joe Hockey spoke about uh, personal income tax. And of course, we know that income tax is the largest source of tax revenue in Australia. Now, I quote Joe Hockey, it raises about $170 billion per year, sorry. On average, of all tax collected across the OECD, around 34% comes from personal and company taxes. In contrast, the Australian government collects over 70% from those revenue sources, or 60% if you take into account state revenue. Mm -hmm. Our top income tax rate is 47 cents in the dollar. By way of contrast, New Zealand's top income tax rate is just 33%. So what are they looking at here? Yeah, there's a very good reason that uh, New Zealand's top marginal tax rate is 33%, and they've got quite a robust um, and uh, broad GST system. Um, most um, we were looking at the um, when we were putting out together our submission on the white paper we there were some observations by the government that New Zealand has a very broad GST it collects roughly I think 96 percent um, you know of its um, GST from you know a really really broad base whereas in Australia we collect roughly I think it's about just 50 percent of that is from our broad our base so so that's where the, the bulk of uh, 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 the tax revenue is being generated in New Zealand, so so that comparison is not quite precisely on point there. Uh, there is a need to uh, rebalance the the actual um, uh, tax brackets um, to firstly to you know to, to get rid of bracket creep, but also you know to, to ensure that all Australians are paying you know the right amount of tax to, to fund all the things that you know all the things that we, we need, particularly going forward. So. So that's a very inter interesting observation, but I like to think that you know um, we're not necessarily comparing apples with apples here. Yeah, that, that's an important distinction to make because, like reading that out just then, I thought, hang on a second, that's quite a big discrepancy. Mm. But as you said, there's more to this, which I guess is the purpose of this game, which yeah. is actually fantastic because well, I just learned something really important. And there's always a trade-off, Nathan. Yeah. You know, you give with one hand and take to the other, take right. with the other, and that was very much evident in the budget where you saw that there was juggling of that within departments. So it's social security, for example, there was, you know, someone benefited and then someone got a disadvantage from that, but it stayed within the same portfolio. Um, and the big thing with this is exactly what we said in our white paper response and the survey that came out um, from our members that, you know, happy to broaden the GST base or increase the GST, but, you know, let's give us some tax breaks of company tax rate or personal tax rate. Um, is, is the way to go and you know when you think about it that the biggest cut of the revenue pie is from 
personal income tax. And like we all know that that's the case because we got our uh, payment summaries today and you look at it and go, oh, is that how much tax I've paid? Yeah. You know, where has all that money gone for the year, so to speak? So, you know, that's a, that's a big component compared to other countries and there. Other countries have other sources of revenue like a value-added GST type tax. Now, the third point that Mr Hockey made uh, it also links up with something that I learnt this morning and I was very excited to learn, uh, the idea of the fruit and the tree. So uh, many of our listeners are probably familiar with this concept of the fruit and the tree, the, the tree being the capital and the fruit being the revenue, um, which is a, a tidy little way of explaining how it works and I, I quite like it. Um, I'm going to quote Joe Hockey again. In doing so, we must recognise there are some key differences between income earned from labour and income earned from capital. Labour income is generally more stable and predictable than income from capital. Uh, continuing on, in recognising that they are different, we must also accept that their tax treatment ought not be identical. Our tax treatment of capital is and should be different in order to provide the economic incentive to get our private sector creating jobs and boosting wealth. So what, are they, what, what is Joe Hockey saying here? Yeah, this, was a, this one, I have to say, was a little bit vague when I, when I read through it, but um, I, I think currently, as, as it currently stands, you, you know, if you get paid salary and wages, that gets taxed to you at 100%. Um, what you earn. However, for investments, um, particularly you know, 15 years ago, they did introduce the CGT general discount, which is uh, at 50% for individuals, 33% for super funds, and basically, um, I, I suspect you know there is talk about you know sort of whether the CGT discount is suitable um, for people these days or for investors these days, because those concessions, particularly in, in light of um, you know people negative gearing properties, is very very generous. You know. Um, you know, all of a sudden that gain is slashed in half and then you pay tax on that on that gain. So so perhaps reading between the lines here, I, I think what the Treasurer is trying to say is that, you know, in order to um, for people taking in order to allow people to take risk in terms of, you know, investing in the capital markets, uh, you need you do need a form of uh, concession there. So that's just reading between the lines. It's a bit hard to say. I, I mean, you know, can never once we see the, the the options paper, we can get a better feel for it. But that's right. That's that's what we suspect. It's, it's he's trying to say there. Okay, yeah. Lisa. Is there anything you want to add to that? No, I think that's pretty pretty right. I mean, they're sort of trying to treat it like a as the coin coin of phrases, mere realization, or mm. a bit like a windfall gain. But you know, like if we go on a game show or win tats lotto, we don't have that's a total windfall gain. We don't have to pay any tax on that. You know, as opposed to. Um, our uh, brother nation, say USA or something like that, where they have to pay tax yep. on their lottery winnings. So it just sort of depends. It's horses for courses, and mm. you know, I think it's just continuing on that. You know, maybe we're all in agreement that we, the fifty percent maybe stays yeah. with a with a liberal government. Sounds good. Uh, next point: bracket creep. Uh, quoting Joe Hockey: Bracket creep will mean that the average full-time wage, currently around seventy-seven thousand dollars, will soon sit in the second top income tax bracket of thirty-seven cents in the dollar. We must address bracket creep because it is better to leave money in the pocket of the taxpayer and resist the temptation for the government using taxpayers' money to provide financial support back to individuals and families. So what do we think about this? Yeah, I, I think um, that the government uh, is looking at uh, ways of uh, addressing bracket creep. Mm -hmm. Now, how they go about that, that's, um, you know, that's in anybody's guess. You know, we, in our submission, had uh, indicated to the government that, you know, you should um, you know, increase it by any sort of uh, index mm -hmm. to, to make it fair, but obviously that's not always you know uh, financially or budgetary uh, budgetarily sound for the government. Yeah. Uh, so, so in that regard, I think the government's got a emphasis on uh, addressing that, so that you know your 
you know, to, you know, your salary doesn't, you know, get, uh, you know, um, fall into the next uh, uh, band, mm-hmm. and uh, all of a sudden you're, you know, you're paying additional tax. So I think that's a good thing. How they're going to do it is uh, a big question mark at the moment. Well, maybe if they're going to do it at all, Andy, because I mean, there seems to be a lot of things in this speech and his six points where it's sort of merging between what they announced in the budget and then the white paper as well. Yes. So they're saying bracket creep, yeah, but they didn't move any of the brackets in the last budget. Yes. And if, as we know, because we were looking at the rates getting ready for the tax summary to be issued, um, that you know we actually basically had to they had to withdraw the change in the brackets because of the carbon tax. Um, so, you know, it's sort of like, it sounds like a good idea, but it'd be interesting to see how they're actually going to implement it or when they're going to implement it. Now, the last point that Joe Hockey made that we want to look at is uh, in relation to the states and territories again. I'm going to quote Joe Hockey. Not only do the states and territories raise considerably less revenue than they spend, around a third of their taxes from insufficient taxes, stamp duties on real and intangible property, insurance duties, and so forth. In fact, 23% of all state government revenue comes from the GST alone. Many submissions have called for the abolition of these taxes and a broadening of the GST base, or an increase to the rate, or both. But when it comes to the GST, let me be very clear. No change will be considered without the unanimous agreement of state and territory governments and bipartisan support in federal parliament. So that's quite a quite an ultimatum there. That is. That's a strong statement, Nathan. It is, yeah. Strongest yeah. statement, I think, in nearly in the whole paper. Well, I mean, I guess it has a lot of... Um, it addresses a lot of things that people have been talking about in the media recently. I mean, GST is something of a buzzword. Mm. Um, so what else is being said here that we need to be aware of? Well, I, I think, Nathan, it's more a question as to, you know, he's you know, he's really pushing the, the state governments to consider any sort of changes to the GST. I think at this stage it's a bit too early to call. Uh, in terms of you know, uh, in terms of these changes, I mean, we we do observe some of those inefficiencies there in in the GST system. Um, for example, you know, uh, in the in the discussion paper, there was you know a lot of mention about uh, food, and you know that's very inefficient in terms of you know trying to work out what's fresh food and what's not fresh yeah, food. Absolutely. So, so there are some inefficiencies there in the GST system. Um, it's just a question as to you know um, whether the states are open to that. Um, I mean, in terms of you know, if they were to receive more GST income, you know, they'll need to revisit. You know, this is again, this is you know, uh, tax reform is about all the shifting sands. You know, you push one mm. thing up and something else goes down. So, Absolutely. so to that extent, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether the the states are you know willing to, to work with the government if they want any sort of changes to the GST. Because hmm. the government basically allocates the GST spend through through their committees and things like that, Nathan. And I know Western Australia doesn't get for every dollar of GST that their citizens um, pay, they don't get the same dollar back. Um, and, you know, it's different for each state. I think there's more investment in Queensland. That's right. That's I think, right, yeah. yeah. So they get a bigger spend than what the WA guys get. So it's just very hard to look at increasing the spend if the states aren't going to get what they think is their fair share of that revenue collected. So. And of course, you have different political parties in nationally as opposed to each state. So it's going to be an interesting negotiation, I think. Yeah. And we, were, we were talking off air before about our, uh, you know, our cousins across on the uh, across the Tasman and how they don't only have two levels of government. So any mm. changes to the GST is relatively smooth uh, for them. But um, for us, um, it, you know, it requires all the states to, to back back any sort of changes. Mm-hmm. So I guess we make the universal comment of watch this space. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I think so.
But uh, we hope you found this uh, little exercise helpful. I certainly did. Thank you guys for, for shedding some light on this because it's, it's really interesting to see exactly what's being said uh, and to debunk some of those tax terms are a little bit confusing. So we hope you found it as fruitful as I did. Thanks for joining us for episode 35. Join us next week for episode 36. See ya. Thanks.